Well, I'm thankful for all of you who came out today. (laughs) I believe that uh, when we come, make the effort to be here, that uh, we are in store for something very special. So uh, every, every, every effort that we make, every effort that we, you know, when we stop and pray, when you stop and read your Bible, when you get up in the morning and you stop and give thanks to God for the day, um, we, we, we want to make sure that it's not a complaining session. Okay, God, you know, I thought it'd be sunny out and there's snow, you know. <laughs> okay, God, I thought that we'd be over with this, but, you know, and we go on that little tangent of not uh, being grateful. But I think as we, as, we take in those, as we take these moments, as we take the time to just say thank you to God, we are releasing our faith. We are... We are uh, asking God to be with us. God, I'm thankful. I mean, you know, I'm glad that you came here today. Okay, So that means I'm thankful for you to be here and to share in the message. So whenever we wake up and we're getting started with God, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the job I have. I thank you for the opportunity I have. I thank you for the work that I do. I thank you for what the day is going to hold for me. So we begin with an, an anticipation that God is with us. And that God is going to work in our lives. And sometimes it's, you know, we would think, well, it's not that big. You know, it's the same day, another day, just same thing, just a different day. And, but it isn't. Um, I have here uh, a little a letter from uh, Sam and uh, Naomi Brillo. And uh, they've been here, right? They've been here. Sam and Naomi, they were here this last year. And they are missionaries to Belgium. And we remember... <laughs> Just a couple of weeks ago, the attack at the Belgian airport. His son and daughter-in-law, uh, or future daughter-in-law, son and fiance, were headed to, where were they going? Uh, they were going to Ireland, I believe. Pardon? They were going to Ireland for a missions trip to go there. So missionaries in Belgium, their, their son, missionary, is going to go to Ireland for uh, a mission stay, and they were delayed. And they were not in the airport at the gate where the explosion was. <laughs> he talks about it here. <laughs> oh, yeah, if they were not delayed, they would have been at that gate going to, you know, going through customs at that time and uh, they would have been in the midst of this. So when we get up each day, we don't know what the day holds, and if God has us there, it's there for a purpose. So it isn't like, well, God doesn't like me. I was there, and look what happened. We got blown up, you know. Well, did you survive? And well, if you died, well, I went to heaven. You know, you see, we know that God is there. And today, uh, <clears throat> today, my, the message is, he pleased God, okay? He pleased God. And I've, I've read over this um, scripture and read over these things, of course, numerous times. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, and the character that we're going to look at is Enoch. Now, Enoch is a, is a relatively obscure person, except for just a couple of things about his life. One is, and, 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 and I'll read, read it over again, but Enoch skipped death completely, they looked all over and couldn't find it because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. All right. Now, how do you make God happy? 
Huh? <laughs> I mean, we talk about something. How do you make God happy? You know, here's a guy who has everything. What do you buy for the person who has everything? <laughs> you know, what do you, what, what do you get for the guy who has everything and say, and he can speak everything into existence? What do you do to make God happy? You know, so what is, we come back to, you know, what is our idea of God? What does God look like? And what do I have to do to make him happy to the point that I am such a good friend with him that I don't even die. He and I are going for a stroll one day, and next time I'm sharing my world with him, and the next thing I know I'm sharing his world. <laughs> so that was Enoch. And so the challenge today is how do we please God? All right? How do we please God? So Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter of faith called a faith, faith chapter. Uh, um, and uh, we, we see of the heroes of the faith of starting you know, the very beginning, uh, verse 11, verses 1 and 2, the fundamental fact of existence is this, that this trust in God is faith, okay? Faith is the substance, in the King James Version, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And um, uh, I, I like the, the preacher who somebody says, well, what is faith? And he says, well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Okay, but what is faith? Well, faith is the substance of things, you know, and he went through each of them, enunciating the words, and it's like, okay, uh, but faith is a substance. Let's start with that little place. Substance is something you can get a hold of. Sub sub substance uh, has a, a cognitive awareness, a physical touch, a smell, a hear, you know. It has substance to it. So the chair, the seat that you're sitting on has substance to it. If there were no substance to your pew, where would you be? You'd be on the floor. <laughs> okay, so we know that our pew has substance to it. Well, faith is the substance. There is, there is stuff to our belief. There is stuff to our understanding. There's a reason for our faith. There's a reason to understand that God is with us. There's a reason that you were created. You have a purpose. God has a plan. So the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. So as the pew is the substance that you sit upon, <laughs> so is our faith the found and our faith in Jesus Christ the foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Everything that makes life worth living is built upon the substance of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you know, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, okay? Foolish man built his house upon the sand. Wise man built his house upon the rock. The rains came down and the floods came up. <laughs> You're saying that all the time as a kid. Rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. <laughs> Foolish man built his house upon sand, and it went flat. All right, now, you can't get that in just any church today. You know, you don't have, you just, anybody, no, just not on any church can give that performance. What's that? I was even on key. Miracles never cease, you know? Miracles never cease. 
Well, the interesting thing is the same storm comes to both people. The foundation makes all the difference. So as we look at the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living is our faith in Christ and our relationship with Christ. So our faith is built upon a substance and the substance of our faith is very real and very tangible. It isn't, it isn't a belief system that has no substance. See, if you believe that your car is going to take your home this afternoon, there's substance to that belief. Because we, we've come to trust in it, or distrust the substance. So we've come to trust the substance of our, our faith in believing that the car is going to take us home today. So there's a firm foundation under that belief that you're going to get home. So in our foundation that makes everything worth living, there is a firm foundation. Now, it's our handle on what we can't see. Whoa. So we find then that the substance of our faith, the foundation upon which we make our life, has a substance that can't be seen. But yet it's there. It would be like being able to sit down and be seated on the pew but not being able to see it. I can't see it, but I know that I'm sitting. <laughs> Now that's another step in the substance. But you see, the, the act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors and sets them above the crowd. So you see, whenever we have this trust in God, there is a foundation, there is a substance to it, there is a reality to it, there is an understanding of it, and it is something that holds me secure in my difficult times of life. And so I trust in the Word, and I trust in God, and I know that He cares for me. You see, I know that He cares for me. How do we know that? Because it says it in His Word. Well, what if I feel that He doesn't care? Well, what if, but He does care. And that it is in this caring and in this revelation of His Word to my heart and my mind that, makes, that enables me to become secure in my life, all right? Now, by faith, we see that the world, the world called into existence by God's word that we see created by what we don't see. What we see created by what we don't see. Basically, he's telling us, God spoke the world into existence. God spoke something out of nothing. <laughs> and here we are upon the something to believe in the, what we can't see that made it. <laughs> okay? So there's a tangibleness to our faith, but yet there's a, an intangible. And we know that by <laughs> our society that we live in, that there are some who, you know, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist, and therefore the, the world came into existence by the Big Bang Theory. And you can watch that every week, Bang Theory, and uh, see the, uh, <laughs> well, anyhow. But we find that we have... We can't figure it out, so therefore we have to imagine our imaginations take over. And people, great scientists, and God has said that he'll take the, the little things to confound the wise, and the, 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 the seemingly children can understand the unfathomable. So. But in act of faith, Enoch skipped death. Now, this is where we come to our... Um, well, we'll read back a little bit. Verse 4, by an act of faith, Abel brought... <coughs> by an act of faith... 
Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. Now, you see, whenever you read the the two sacrifices, that in the Old Testament, both sacrifices were brought to the temple. Both sacrifices of uh, the harvest and the the animals, both of them were brought to the temple and symbolizing what, uh, you know, um, thankfulness to God and, you know, in order to sacrifice, you know, to do the law. But Cain killed Abel, (laughs) right? Abel brought a better sacrifice than Cain. (laughs) Abel, and what was going on was Abel believed. And it was not what he brought, it was his belief behind what he brought. Now, here we have this understanding. It isn't how much we can give. It's our belief behind what we do. See, when our belief is connected to God's word, that God is at work in my life and I get up every morning and I give thanks to God and I thank him for the day and I thank him for wisdom and understanding and going through. It is the belief that I bring to the day that makes this day different than the person who gets up and say, oh my goodness, God, it's another day. You know? Oh God, it's another day. (laughs) Oh God, it's another day. It's the belief that makes the difference. And so whenever we believe and our belief takes on action and our actions take on um, a, a, verbal, a, a verbal declaration and our, acts, and our actions take on some, a, a living out of our faith, a living out of our belief. So what he believed. And so God noticed and approved Abel's sacrifice. He noticed it and he approved it. And after all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. So it, after all these centuries, it is still the belief that makes, this, that makes this work. It's our belief that we are bringing this relationship to God. Now, the text today, by an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. Now, what did Enoch look like? (laughs) No, not his physical appearance and what he wore. What did he look like? What is this, this firm foundation, this pleasing of God? You see, Hebrews 11, 1 up there where we started, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. So Enoch pleased God, made God happy. So what what does that look like? If Enoch were standing here and you look over and there's Enoch, well, what would be striking about Enoch? Would it be his pious walk around? Oh, he's religious. (laughs) Or would it be very solemn, no laughter, no joy. I'm spiritual. <laughs> or would it be being able to be so religious he can quote you every scripture in the Bible? So pious that you may feel inferior <laughs> to him? Would that be Enoch? <laughs> would it be Enoch? No, no, but it says that 
he pleased God, and verse 1 of this says that without faith, it is impossible to please God apart from faith, because anyone who wants to approach God must believe. Hmm. See, this is the important part. Anyone who wants to approach God must believe, okay? We must believe. What do we have to believe? That God exists. <laughs> we have to believe that God exists. That I didn't get here by mistake. <laughs> I didn't get here because of this or that. I am right where I am at because God knew that I would be here and he has a plan for my life right where I'm at. And that God brought the whole world into existence and God spoke it into existence and he is in charge of the whole place and it may appear to be out of sorts, but God knows what he is doing and even the devil himself doesn't know what's going on in the world because had the devil known, he would have never had Jesus crucified. So the devil doesn't know everything. God does. So I must believe that God exists. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Later on, the scripture says, and all, and all things were by him and nothing existed except through him and in him and with him. So it's all in Christ. So we must believe, okay, first of all, we must believe that God exists. We must believe that God cares. Hmm. See, this is where we have trouble. We, we can believe that God exists, but to believe that he cares for us. <laughs> that God cares for us to the extent that he wants everything in our life to work to a, to a good that he will not allow anything of our past to keep us from his present, from his future. He cares for us. He wept with Mary and Martha. He fed the 5,000. He stilled the waters for his disciples who were scared to death that we were going to drown. He raised the widow's son. He opened blinded eyes. For people who were in need, he cares. I know he cares for me. <laughs> See, in the presence of God, his fullness of joy, at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God cares enough for me that I can be joyful. Joyful. Now, happiness depends on happenings, but joy is something that resides in the heart. So what does Enoch look like? Is he a somber? <laughs> Hiding in the cave somewhere? Having revelations of God? Because there's no written word. There's nobody, there's no uh, library that, that, that uh, Enoch can go to and, and find, let's look up God on the, on, the walls of the, <laughs> on the walls of the cave here. Let's look up God here. There was nothing for him to, to look at to find God. So it was, in, it was in this relationship with God that he came to understand that God exists. And then he came to understand that God cares. Now, if God cares, we have record of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever everlasting life. So God has made preparation for us to be forgiven of every sin. 
He has made preparation for us to enter into his joy and to recognize that he cares for me. <laughs> now, how do you respond to someone who care, you care for? Don't bother me, kid. I'm busy. <laughs> no. You know, we'll interrupt everything in life to make sure that something is taken care of. The person we love is cared for. You see, the thing that it has our attention is the thing that we care for most. And God has our, has our undivided attention. No. I have God's undivided attention. <laughs> I have God's undivided attention every moment of every day, in every place, and in every way. <laughs> you know? I have God's undivided attention, so I know that he cares for me. And... I must believe that he exists and I must believe that he cares and I must believe that God cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So this is the attitude of Enoch, that he was a person of faith, that he pleased God. He pleased God by believing that God existed. He he. Pleased God by declaring, I know he cares for me. He pleased God to the point that he knows that he cares for me and he will respond to everything that I say. <laughs> hmm. So I then am living a life that this God who cares for me and I know that he exists and I know that he responds to every prayer that I pray. Now, we have to understand that this is, you know, praying is, God, did you notice that it snowed outside and that I don't like snow and I don't like being cold anymore and that, you know, these people down here that my neighbors, I don't really like them because they don't like me. Can you get rid of them for me? God, you know I have a cold and that I've been really sick for a while and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know. <laughs> that's not prayer, that's complaining, <laughs> okay. Okay, and, and God doesn't, God doesn't have, does God, what's, you know, go complain to the tree, okay? Now, where's faith come in? Faith is, I know that he cares for me. <laughs> I believe that he knows me, he exists, and he cares for me. And I know that he is going to respond to everything that I talk to him about. So what does Enoch look like? He's a person who... His trust in God is unshaken with, by every storm and every difficulty. And people knew that he was in touch with God, not because he was so holy, but because he was so much at peace with life and with God that no matter what happened in life, he knew that God cared for him and was going to take care of it. And that he trusted him with his his sins, you know, there, there's a, where am I at here? There's, there's a, let's do the next section here. Belie belief, trust, and trustworthy. So belief means that he was, he believed in God, that he trusted in God, and God was trustworthy, okay? 
So I believe that God hears me and that, that I can trust him with my life. I can trust him with my soul. I can trust him with my finances. I can trust him with my future. I can trust him with my present. I can trust him with my past. <laughs> my sins, he forgave them. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, I, I remember preaching on this a while ago, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. <laughs> okay, I like that. Don't, don't you like, I like that. That's, that's faith, but I'm not going to preach on that. Embracing, that's where I'm going. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. What does Enoch look like? Enoch looks like a guy that he embraces what God is doing for him and recognizing that it is the best thing that, that, that you can do for him. I believe that God has brought me to this place and time to embrace the life that I am now living. To embrace the life that I am now living. Thanking God for every moment of it and every good thing and every what we consider bad thing. No matter what it is, I am thankful that God then is going to give me the stability of being in his presence and standing upon my understanding of him that he is going to take everything and he's going to work it to a good and I'm praying about everything and I'm asking him to be with me and I'm going to be at peace with it and I'm going to be joyful with it. I'm going to be joyful with it. I'm going to be joyful with my life that I'm living and the people that are in my life, and I'm going to be joyful. But you don't know who I have to live with. <laughs> or you don't know who Rhonda has to live with. <laughs> you know, you don't know what my family or my kids or my ancestors or my neighbors. No, it, see, there's no exclusion clause here. <laughs> there is only trust. Trust. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I know that he exists. I believe and declare that he cares for me and that he cares enough to respond to me. And so the embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. What is it that I can do for him? I can embrace my life. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So we're not in this as a dead poet society in which we are just looking at life and just, you know, it's, it's all good, it's fate and everything's working. It's not that at all. We believe that God exists, we believe that he cares, and we must believe that he cares enough to respond so I recognize that God wants something from me. What is it that God wants from me? Is that I believe that he exists. I believe that he cares. And I believe that he will respond to my prayers. And respond to my needs. How do I make God happy? I believe that he exists. <laughs> I believe that he cares. I believe that he cares enough to respond to anything that's going on in my life. Now, Romans 8, the solution. The solution is life on God's terms. That's the title of this, Romans 8. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us 
we no longer have to live under the continuous, low-living black cloud. You see, living under the low, <laughs> under the low-lying black cloud is to say that my sin, my failures, my problems, this life, this world, this situation, this government, this place that I live, this neighborhood, this house, is... It just stinks. There's no good thing in my life. But you see, that's not where we live. Those who enter into this Christ being here for us no longer live under that. We have a new power. A new power is in operation. And the new power is the spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air. You see, when the arrival of Jesus the Messiah comes, we believe that he exists. And that when the spirit of Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cared, uh, cleared the air, what am I doing? I believe that he cares for me. And freely you from a and freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death, God who has cares enough to respond, <laughs> respond to my prayers. You see, over and over and over again, God has given us the ability to see what He has in store for us. And one final thought. You know, one time I went home and I asked Rhonda how my sermon was. And she says, well, you missed four good opportunities to have a conclusion. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But this ain't one of those sermons. <laughs> Maybe it is, I don't know. But this one, okay, in conclusion, you know, if you're a good preacher, you have at least four conclusions. So, if you, in conclusion, we look at this. Enoch pleased God, and God took him home. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, our sins were put on Jesus upon his account. Okay? Jesus hung upon the cross, and it was our sins were imputed unto Christ's account. Our sins were put on his account upon the, the death of Christ all our sins were put upon him. Okay? Can we believe that? Okay? Can we believe that all sin, everyone's sin, was placed upon Christ, upon his death? Now, the reason all people don't go to heaven is because all people don't believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins. The sins, all sins were put upon him. They are free from their sin, but it takes an act of belief. I believe that God exists I believe that he cares, and I believe that he responds to my prayers. You see, so my sins were imputed, put upon Christ. Now, our sin is put on Christ's account on the cross. He bore our sins, carried our sorrows. His righteousness then, his righteousness then is put on our account. If we believe, it is accounted to us as righteousness. God, through Christ, puts into our account his righteousness. I don't earn it. I receive it as a gift. So if I ask you, are you righteous? The answer is yes. <laughs> Why? 
because my sins are forgiven, they're on God's account, and then what I gave to him for sin, he gave back to me as righteousness. I am set free. I am in a right standing with God. Now, what does Enoch look like? He looks like a man who is just like you. He looks like you. A person who's been forgiven, that we know that God cares for me. First of all, I know that he exists. I know that he cares for me. And I know that he hears and answers, responds to every prayer. So I walk in life as confident, assured, knowing that God is in charge. He will give me wisdom. He will give me faith. He will give me peace. He will give me strength. He, will give, he gives to me joy. He gives to me understanding because he cares for me. He cares for me. My sins are forgiven. My righteousness is his, and my right standing with God is already complete in Christ. So what does Enoch look like? He looks like you. <laughs> Smile. You have a twin. <laughs> Shall we stand? God... May we please you. <laughs> may we be pleasing in your sight. May we, may we see that you are there, you exist. In the world around us, in the creation, in the trees, in the snow, in the rain, in the animals, and Lord, these are all your creation, but they're not you. We, God, are created in your image, and we, God, have received the breath of life. We are a living soul. And Lord, we have sinned. But that doesn't interfere with your plan. God, we confess our sin. And it is forgiven. And now, you have given us a righteousness. Nothing that we have earned, but that we have received. And in that righteousness, we walk in hope. We walk in joy. We walk in an understanding that you are at work in everything. So we are at peace in the midst of the storm. God, we thank you that we are like Enoch. And one day, we're just going to walk on home. <laughs> thank you, God, for touching us again by your spirit and your word and your life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I receive that in my life. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.